Welcome to FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features Bible teacher Clay Scroggins, and it was recorded on Sunday, February 6th. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love the chance to connect with you, so drop us a line at podcast at faithbridge.org. And if you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi. And you can always join us for FaithBridge online at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Clay. Wow. Um, it is so good to be here, so good to see everyone, so good to see everyone watching online. Uh, my name's Clay, as David said. Uh, I'm a pastor, live in Atlanta, and it is just uh, awesome to be in Texas. Uh, my wife is from Texas, so I feel eternally grateful to the great state of Texas for so many reasons, but she's the primary reason. Um, I, uh, I rolled into the new year um, trying to establish some new rhythms, some new habits. You know, everybody, it's kind of what you do at the beginning of the year. And so as a dad, uh, even though I've been a pastor for a long time, I still, like any of you who are fathers or mothers or grandparents, I still feel this burden to, uh, to do everything I can do to help, help our kids grow spiritually. We've got five kids, 12 down to four, and uh, it's never easy, right? It's never easy to figure out how to do that. No one teaches you how to do that. I, I really, you know, I feel like I'm just shooting from the hip most of the time. And I, I love this, where we've been in the series, I love the idea that we're just going through Luke and where we are today, we're at that moment where Jesus said, hey, even a prophet's not welcomed in his hometown. And I have felt that way recently, uh, e even as I've tried to establish some new rhythms. Let me just tell you real quickly about one that I've been trying. I was in Indianapolis about a month ago, preaching at a church there. Just happened to be the same weekend as the national championship game. Incredibly convenient how that worked out. And I was, uh, I was talking to this pastor. He's got great kids that are grown adults, and they still have faith and seem to be walking with Jesus. And I was like, man, I am so interested in how, how did you do this? And so I asked him, you know, what did you do? What were the habits that you had? And he said, oh, you know, one of the best things we did is in the mornings before the kids went off to school, we would gather together about seven o'clock and we would just do a th three minute standing meeting. And I thought, I can do this. This, is, this seems simple enough. He said, I would share a verse. I would share something that, I would, that I've read. My wife would share something. Maybe a kid would have something to share. And then we would pray together and then off we would go. And so mid-January, I started trying this. I thought, all right, I, I, I can do this. I, 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 this is simple enough. So the first week I try this, I get everybody together. I say, hey kids, everybody get your backpack, get your stuff, and let's all stand together and uh, I have something I wanna share. Like, what, 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 what are we doing? What, 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 what's going on? And so I said, no, no, come on, everyone, everyone, gather together real quick, real quick. And one of our, one of our kids, our 10-year-old son, he looks up from his backpack that he was packing, and he goes, what, 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 what are we doing? I said, we're gonna pray. And he goes, why? I'm like, why? Why are we gonna pray? Because, because that's what the guy in Indianapolis said to do. So everybody get over here. <laughs> Quit asking me questions about this. And I really, in that moment, felt like, here we go. This is what Jesus is experiencing, you know? No fathers. There is no father who's accepted, even in his own home, as he's trying to lead his own family. So if you're trying to figure this out, uh, I, I'm joining you in it. Uh, I'm in it as well, trying to figure out, how can we follow Jesus in this world? How can we live a life where we're following him as best as we can? I know some of you are trying to do that, and others of you, you just got invited here and maybe... You're still trying to figure faith out, trying to figure out what role does it have in your life? How important is it? I think today is going to be a great day for all of us. We're going to really get to, we're, we're in the middle of a passage that is one of the most important passages. It's really where Jesus declares uh, what he's doing 
what, what he's all about. It's kind of his mission statement. But I want to give you the uh, spoiler alert. I want to take you all the way to the end of the passage, and I want to show you where it ends, just to maybe even pique your interest in it. This is what uh, we're going to read Luke 4, 14 through 30. Luke 4, 14 through 30. If you've got a Bible with you, open it up. Uh, if you use a Bible app, please go ahead and turn to Luke 4, 14 through 30, and we're going to read this together. But I want to show you Luke 4, verse 29. Can you put that up on the screen? This is where we're this is where we're going to be today. This is where we're, we're headed. They got up, they drove him out of the town, him being Jesus, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. They got up, they drove him out of town, they took him all the way to the brow of the hill where they intended to throw Jesus off the cliff. Now, what, what would have gotten them so angry? What would have made them so upset, so furious? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, this, is a, this, is, this is a very dramatic, a lot of, lot of twists and turns, ebbs and flows. Uh, I've been reading out of the, um, I've been using the Bible app a lot lately. I'm, uh, I have a group of guys that I meet with once a month, and we're just together, decided we're going to read through the Bible together this year. And I've been letting the British guy that reads the NIV on the Bible app read to me every morning. Anybody know this British fella? Let me just, I, I didn't tell you guys I was going to try this, but let me just play this for you so you can hear it. Full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Is that accent not so wonderful? I mean, I know we broke away from them and said, we're going to establish our own country. And here in Texas, you still have that spirit of independence and trying to do the same thing. But I love that accent. Uh, it is just fabulous. And so I don't know how you read the Bible. I don't know if you have a habit of reading the Bible, but this is what I've been doing this year is I've just been popping in some headphones and letting this guy read me the Bible every morning as I'm getting the coffee ready and getting rolling for the day. But um, we're going to read it all together. So if you would... Uh, turn with me, uh, open up your app, whatever you want to do to read, I'm, or I'm going to read it out loud. I'm going to read it all in entirety, and then I'm, we're going to go back and we're going to unpack a couple of the passages together. So the headline is Jesus rejected in Nazareth, which is where he's from. Verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Everyone. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did 
in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his own town. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet none of them, not one of them, was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town, they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This, this passage is a great little microcosm. It's a great, it's a great summary of what we see throughout Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus makes this massive declaration. He doesn't just say, I'm a good person. He doesn't just say, hey, you should watch what I do. He doesn't just say, I'm a great teacher. You should listen to what I say. No, he says, I am from God. I am one with the Father. To put it clearly and simply, I am God. I am the Messiah. And then what we see is, we see the people that you would think would accept this message, primarily the Jewish people, you would think they would accept this message, but what we see is over and over again, time and time again, we see them rejecting this message, and then we see Jesus going, okay, well then I'm going to take this message to people who are going to accept this message, mostly the Gentiles. We see this declaration of him saying, I am the Messiah. We see people who you would think would accept his message, reject his message, and then we see people who you wouldn't think are deserving of his message, Jesus going, all right, well I'm going to take my message to them, and they're the people that actually accept his message. Yeah, in this passage, the, the, the primary purpose of it is to let us know what did God have for Jesus to do? What did God have for Jesus to do on earth? We find out that the Apostle Paul, he calls Jesus the image of the invisible Father, the, the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is the image, he's the likeness of, he's the, the one that we can see, the logo of God. If you want to know what God's like, watch Jesus. So God says, hey, if you want to know what I'm all about, then watch what Jesus is all about. Watch who Jesus is all about and watch what I have for Jesus to do. But today, what I really hope that we'll walk away with is something more personal. I, I do hope that we leave today all going, wow, it is remarkable who Jesus is for. It is remarkable what Jesus has done. It is remarkable what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do. But even more than that, I hope that maybe Maybe in a powerful way, maybe in a personal way, that every one of us would be able to answer the question, well, what does God have for me to do? What does God have for me to do? That maybe you might even decide to take the message of Faith Bridge, to take the mission of Faith Bridge, to, 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 to make disciples to grow disciples even stronger, that you might take that mission and say, you know what, I'm gonna make that my mission. 
I'm going to make that what I'm all about. I'm going to take the, the mission that God gave Jesus, and I'm going to make that personal and say, well, that's what I'm going to be all about with my life as well. That's my hope for today. Spoiler alert. So, so let me, um, let's just jump back into the passage. We're going to look at these verses all together, and I just want to, uh, together, let's try to unpack what happens here. All right, so from the top, verse 14 of Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of, of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So he's returning to Galilee. This is where he grew up. This is his hometown region. So this would be like, you know, Beyonce coming back to Houston. This would be like George Strait doing a reunion concert, the final tour. How many final tours will George Strait have? Feels like he's had a number of them. I'm, all, I'm here for all of them, though. I say do as many as you want. You're the king, you know, king of country. But it's, it's like the Beatles. It's like the Beatles going back to London to do a show. Anybody seen the new documentary on Disney Plus of the Beatles? I don't know if you're, any of you are Disney fans. Uh, one person in the back, me and you, sir, we should have a conversation. And this gal back here, or sir, I don't know. I couldn't, can't really see it. It's dark back there. Um, it's a fat, fascinating, fascinating um, documentary. It's eight hours of footage, maybe six hours of footage that they've put together. And it's, um, it ends with this rooftop concert. It's the last time that the Beatles actually got together to play a show, and they're playing it in London. And they have this, um, they have this part where they interview people that are just walking around the street. And they'll ask them, they'll say, hey, do you know who's up there? And they'll go, oh, yes, it's the Beatles, you know. And they'll say, yeah, it's, it's the Beatles. What do you think? And they'll go, that sounds pretty good. That's nice. Yeah, it's lovely. And it's so crazy to see. Some of them are like, eh, I mean, I'm not really in it. I don't know why they're interrupting our day. It's kind of frustrating. They've created this traffic. I mean, I, I, I watched it and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, that is wild. That here they are, what people have acclaimed as the, the greatest band of all time, playing this concert, the last time they would ever play together on a rooftop in the middle of London, and people are just walking by like, oh, that's cool. I mean, now people would go crazy over that, to have that moment where you could actually experience that. And this is what it was like. Jesus was returning to Galilee. He's coming back to his hometown. People had heard what he had done. They had heard what he had done in other places, but he's just not going to be accepted in his own hometown. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone started by praising him. Everyone said, great, awesome, this is wonderful, terrific, we like what's happening. Now, why did they start by praising him? Well, because he hadn't rocked the boat yet, you know? Because he fit into their idea of what God should be like. I, I, I like to think of him as, a, he kind of started out as, as the, the country music Jesus, you know? You hear country musicians sing about Jesus. They're like, oh, you know, you know, go have some drinks on Saturday. Go to church with mama on Sunday. Throw some money in the plate. Be kind, be nice. Don't do anything crazy until next Friday again. That's kind of the version of Jesus that most people that most people accept. And Jesus hadn't rocked the boat at this point. He was pretty tame. He hadn't said anything controversial. He hadn't done anything that seemed outlandish to anyone. And so they praised him. They said, oh, this is fantastic. Remember Jesus? This is so great. We watched him grow up, watched him play Little League. Man, he was heck of a ball player, that guy. Never knew he would grow up to do what he's doing now, but it's great, you know? Isn't he working with his dad, carpentering? Isn't that what he's doing? What's he doing? Cabin cabinets? Wow. Fabulous. Great guy. Love him. Jesus. He's terrific. Yeah, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he goes into the synagogue, which was his custom, and he stood up to read. Now, this is, you, you, you can think of this as um, like a, a daily prayer service that they would have. And they would have a daily reading. And so it, it, it's, we're going to see that it's not coincidence what they gave Jesus to read, but they're on a reading plan. 
I mean, it's like, okay, the next day, this is what we would read. And so they take the scroll, they, they, they unroll the scroll, and the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah, which is where they were that day, it was handed to him. And so Jesus unrolls it, he finds the place, and he begins to read. Again, no coincidence what he was reading, but he just so happened to show up the day that they were reading Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. And so he reads it. He stands there in front of everyone, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, this is a messianic passage of Scripture. This is an Old Testament messianic Scripture that the prophet Isaiah was speaking into being that someday God is going to send someone and this is what he is going to be all about. And Jesus is standing there, feet anchored to the ground saying, this is what God has sent me to do. This is what I am all about. Now, why, why is it surprising that Jesus would be sent to proclaim the good news? Evangelizo is the word. It's where we get the word uh, evangelize. It's where we get the term evangelical, that Jesus came to evangelize, that he came to proclaim or herald or announce that he is here to bring good news to the poor. Now, why is that surprising to people that he, he would have come to preach good news for the poor. I mean, who would, if you would have asked somebody on the street, hey, who's the Messiah going to come for, what would they have said? They would have said, the wealthy, the powerful, the ones that have authority, the, the ones who are good. And Jesus is shocking everyone, as he's going to do over and over again, that Yes, I, I came for those people. I came for the wealthy. And I came for the ones in charge, the powerful, the ones who have authority. But the ones that are going to really resonate with my message are the ones that least expect me to be for, for them. The, the poor, the poor in spirit, the, the, the economically poor, but also the ones who are depressed, the ones who are not only depressed, but oppressed. The ones who just, you would not think that I'm there for them. They're the ones that I'm showing up for saying, no, no, no. I just want to let you know. If you feel like you're on the outside, maybe you've been divorced and you had a church that told you, hey, God is no longer for you. Maybe because of your background or because of where you grew up or how you grew up, maybe you've just thought, you know what? God's just not for me. Jesus is letting people know, making this announcement. He's, he's, He's proclaiming, no, God is for you. He, he sent me here to tell you that I'm giving the good news to the poor. And he, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Freedom for the prisoners. Now, again, we can't just read this literally, that this is not like people that are in jail going like, yes, he came to give freedom for us. No, no. He came to give freedom for those people who are in bondage, those people who are in the, fig, the, the, the literal prison, right? 
You know how people use literally today? They use literally, literally all the time. My kids do it all the time, you know? And I want to stop them and be like, hey, just so you know, you just said literally, but what you meant was figuratively, because that was the language that you just described. Everything is like, oh my goodness, we literally had pizza again today. Jesus is, yes, literally speaking to the prisoners, but he's also figuratively speaking for people who, people who feel like they're in bondage. You know what it feels like to be in bondage? I mean, there's all kinds of bondage. I mean, maybe some of you feel like you're in bondage to some kind of addiction, and maybe you're not even at the point where you feel like you can call it addiction, but you just feel like you can't live without it, or maybe people are trying to tell you we don't know that you can live without it. Maybe it's feeling like you're stuck at work. Maybe feeling like you're a prisoner to the opinions of people. Maybe feeling like you're stuck to some kind of ideal that everyone has for you of who you should be. Or maybe it is some kind of habit that you just can't get over or can't get out of. Jesus is saying, hey, I've come to set you free. I've come to give you freedom from feeling like you have to be who the people around you are telling you you need to be. Your freedom from that addiction that is grabbed a hold of you and won't let go. I am here to set you free. And then I'm here to make sure that those who are blind recover their sight. I'm here for the recovery of sight for the blind. Now, Jesus, again, he would actually heal the blind, but he's also talking about the people that the people that just can't see like God sees, the people that can't see their world like God sees their world, can't see their life the way God sees their life. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That's the kind of sight that I pray for myself, the kind of sight I pray for my kids. I think it's a great prayer for you to pray for yourself or for you to pray for your family. God, would you help us see like you see? Why? Because when you see like God sees, then you'll do what God would want you to do, right? When you see your finances like God sees your finances, when you see your relationships like God sees your relationships, when you see work the way God sees work, when you see health the way God sees health, it helps you put it in proper perspective. I mean, who doesn't have a situation right now that wouldn't want to know how does God see? But sometimes we're blind. We're blind to it. Jesus says, I'm here to make sure that those who are blind get their sight recovered and to set the oppressed free. Who are the oppressed? I mean, the oppressed are the outcasts. They're the ones that everyone is holding down, the ones that feel like they just can't make it, that they just can't get over it, that they'll never be enough, that they'll never be good enough, that they just don't have what it takes, or that maybe someone is actually keeping them under their thumb through power. He said, I'm here to set those people free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and to proclaim that this is the year and not just the 365 days year, but the season of, this is the season of the Lord's favor. I believe that we're experiencing that now. I believe Faith Bridge is experiencing the season of God's favor. And then Jesus rolled the scroll up and he sat back down. Now, what's interesting here, well, there's a number of things that are interesting, but one of them is that if you were to go and read Isaiah 61, which we're going to do in just a bit because I want to show you this, Jesus stopped short of finishing the whole passage. 
He was supposed to read Isaiah 61.1 and Isaiah 61.2, and he read about 90% of it. He left out one little phrase. I want to show you the phrase he left out, and I think there's a specific reason why. Here's the way it begins. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Everything's good so far. That's what he said, right? Then he says, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives, and he sent me to release the dark, uh, from darkness the, the prisoners. But then here's where it changes a bit. And to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. See the difference there? See the phrase that he left out? There's this little phrase in Isaiah where he says that he has sent me to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. But he doesn't read that. Now remember, the, the words are a little bit different because when, when we read Isaiah in English, we're reading it translated from Hebrew. And when we read Jesus reading Isaiah, we're translating it from Greek. And so the English words turn out to be a little bit different, but you get the, the similar gist of it, except for that phrase. Why did he leave out that, yes, this is the year of the Lord's favor, but no, this is not the time for the vengeance of God? Why did he leave that out? Well, because Jesus is, he's in person for the, what we call the first advent, the first time he would come to earth. There's going to be a second advent where he's going to return. And what we understand as we read scripture holistically is that in that second advent, it's going to be the day where he's going to judge and defend those who have been taken advantage of, those who have been persecuted, those who have been oppressed, those who have had a hard time, and he's going to pay or punish those who have done the wrong. That that day of judgment, it's the second advent of Jesus. But he's saying, we're not there yet. We're just at the first one, where I am here to bring grace. Where I am here to, yes, recognize that you have done things wrong. Yes, that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans, but I'm here this Advent to pay for that sin, to be the payment for your sin. I'm going to be the very thing that you need most. I'm going to pay for your sin. But then for those who have not put their faith in him, Later on, he's going to let us know there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day where everyone will have to stand before the judge. And he says, but that day's not here yet. And so he didn't read that little phrase. So he rolls the scroll up. He rolls it up, and he gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Everybody was looking at him, staring at him. And he says this phrase, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, meaning everything you just heard, that is who I am. That is what I am all about. And everyone spoke well of him. They all said, oh, this is great. They were okay with it in the moment. Isn't this Joseph's son until he made it very personal? He said, no, 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 no. You're not understanding that all of us have to come to a point where we make a decision. Am I going to accept this or am I going to reject this? And he kind of pushes them a little bit. Says, I recognize most of you are going to reject this. Most of you are not going to accept this. And he gives them example after example. He tells them about Elijah. He tells them about Elisha, these two prophets that weren't accepted. 
And he makes the statement and says, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And so we read the end that they get furious by this. They're, they're, they're so angry that they want to kill him because they can't believe that he's pushing them not only to accept this message, but also to live out this message, to live from this message. And so today, what I want to encourage you with is maybe even challenge you with is, I know some of you, a lot of you maybe, you've accepted this message. You can remember the time when, when you were the prisoner. You can remember the time when you were poor in spirit. You can remember the time where you could not see. You can remember the time where you were oppressed. And you recognize that Jesus is who he says he is, that he paid for your sin, that he took on all the punishment that you and I deserved. He said, I'm going to pay for that. And maybe you can remember that moment, which I think is so important for us to do, to live out of the memory of that, to constantly remember the day where I recognize that I need him, that I have been the one who was poor in spirit, that I have been the one who was in prison, that I've been the one who's been blind, that I've been the one who's been oppressed. And Jesus came and gave me that freedom. Jesus came and gave me sight. Jesus came and set me free. Do you remember when? Do you remember when that moment was for you? I told you that not only are we going to see what God had for Jesus to do, but I hope today would be a day where we recognize what God has for us to do that God has something personal for us in this. What would it look like for you to make that not just a memory, not just something that happened in your past, but something that happens today, something that is what your life is all about, that you would make this your mission, that you would make this your mission to say, God, I want to join you in what you're doing. I want to be about this. I I recognize So often our life is just run by our calendars, you know? What's coming up next? What's the next vacation? When are the tryouts? When does the season start? When does the next project at work start? When does the weather get warmer, right? Is baseball ever going to get out of their lockdown and start playing again? I mean, we we just live by the schedule, and and it a little bit feels like we're just going around the track again. But every now and then, it's so good to stop and go, no, 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 what do I want my life to be about? What do I want this life, this one life that I live, what do I want it to be about? Am I just going to live from vacation to vacation? Friday to here we go again, it's Monday, and I got to go back to work and looking forward to Friday again. What season is it? When's the next thing coming? When's the summer coming? When's the fall coming? Or am I going to stop and go, no, 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 God, I want to live for what you're all about. I want to live for what you have for me today. You gave Jesus his mission. I want to join in that mission. And so I thought it would be good today for us to just end with a simple prayer. This is essentially the prayer of Isaiah 61. Could we pray what Jesus prayed? Could we make what Jesus said? Could we make this our prayer? This simple prayer that, Heavenly Father, will you use me today? Will you use me today? What if tomorrow morning you woke up and you said, I'm going to pray that simple prayer. Father, will you use me today? Will you use me? 
Will you open my eyes to see opportunities to herald your good news, to announce your good news, to proclaim your good news? Would you open my eyes to see the prisoners, to see the people around me, the people I work around or go to school around or the people that I'm in the carpool line with, the people that I'm, that I'm hanging around? Would you open my eyes to be able to see the prisoners, to be able to see those who can't see and to see the oppressed. Heavenly Father, would you use me? Will you use me today? Will you use me today? In the same way that Jesus came to make this pronouncement, here is what I am all about. What would it look like for us to say, I'm gonna make that mission my mission. I'm gonna make his mission my mission. Yeah, it starts with remembering, well, what has he done for me? But we can't stop there. No, we have to get to the point where we say, okay, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for blessing me. Now, will you give me the opportunity? Will you help me see the opportunity to go be a blessing for someone else? For those of you that maybe feel tired or maybe you feel like it's just another year, you know, or maybe you feel like me where you're like, all right, come on, everybody gather up and pray, you know? And they're like, why? Why are we doing this? Maybe it's just saying, hey, don't quit. Don't stop. Stay at it. Stay with it. Just because it didn't go well the first time, Jesus didn't stop. He didn't say, well, there's, 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 there's no prophet that's welcome in his hometown. He just said, all right, well, I'm just going to work my way through the crowd and move on to the next opportunity. And maybe some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to say, you know what? It didn't work out. I'm going to get back up on my feet and I'm going to move on to the next opportunity because he has something for you today. He does. He has something for you. And he has something for me. So I, I just want to invite you to pray that prayer. I, I hope that you'll remember it tomorrow morning. I hope that you'll remember it this week. But I just would love to invite you to close your eyes, bow your head, maybe even hold out your hands, and just pray this prayer. Father, Heavenly Father, will you use me? Help me to see opportunities to herald your good news. Help me to see the prisoners Help me to see those who can't see. Help me to see the oppressed. Father, use me. I want your mission to be my mission. I want to be about what you're all about. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.